This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Today I want to talk to you about going to the other side. Say, go to the other side. We're going to continue unpacking breakthrough, and today I'm going to give with you two enemies of breakthrough. Two enemies of breakthrough that come against that which God wants to do, the breakthrough he wants to release to you. There's two enemies. We tackle them all the time, and we've got to continue to fight them because the enemy is going to continue to try to steal the breakthrough that God has for you. The breakthrough is on the other side, and we're going to get to that. Jesus was headed. He was headed to bring deliverance and breakthrough to a region of the, uh, 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 of, uh, of the area he was ministering in. He was crossing the Sea of Galilee, and he had his disciples with them. And on the way to breakthrough, on the way to the other side, a severe attack of the enemy rose up and began to come against the disciples at that moment. Now, I don't know about you, but I've learned. Say, I've learned. I've learned that the devil is always trying to derail you and I before we reach the victory and the breakthrough of what God has for us. What God has planned in your life, I can guarantee you, the enemy is trying to derail it. For some of you, he's tried to derail your children, but we're taking back our children and our families. There's leaders in this room right now that the enemy's been messing with your family and messing with your children. And all I'm here to tell you today is that the enemy messes with you on the way to the other side where breakthrough is. And Jesus was on his way. He was coming to give a deliverance, a breakthrough. And and as he was on the way, the enemy begins to attack. And that's what he will do. At strategic moments, he will strike and he will, he will be ferocious and he will attack you and attack you and attack you. Is there anybody today that can just say, Pastor, I understand what you're saying today? On the other side is breakthrough, but the enemy attacks. Well, what are you talking about? Well, turn with me to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four is where we're going to begin. Mark 4, verse 35. Now, before I go to Mark 4, I need to put a little comma, and I need to step over into Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment. So if you'll just stay with me in Mark chapter 4, let me take you over, and you can just see it on the screen. Let me take you over to Ephesians chapter 6 for a minute. Why? It's because Ephesians 6 is going to help you to understand what's happening in Mark chapter 4. Now, in Mark chapter 4, I just said Jesus is on his way to the other side to bring deliverance, and we'll look at that story, and on the way, there arose an attack, and I'm here to tell you today, it was from the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, read it with me, say it aloud, it's on the screen. Those at home, right there in your home, declare this with me. For our struggle, say for our struggle, oh, I want it louder than that, for our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of what? 
this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now that word struggle, for a moment, let me just tell you, in the biblical days when Paul would have written that, the the listeners or the readers of that letter would have understood exactly what he was talking about. Because when he talks about our struggle, it was a word that would be used to represent the major arena within the cities called the palastra. And the palastra was like a fighting ring within the major cities of that day. Now, when they would go to have fights, they would have several different fights, just like we kind of have right now. You would have, first of all, the, and these were images that the readers would have understood when he uses this word, our struggle, or we wrestle not, is what some translations say. We wrestle not might be a better way for me to describe it, because they would have imagined what would have happened, the dangerous, barbaric sport in these fighting arenas. It's kind of like MMA fighting. Have you ever watched MMA fighting? I'm almost anything can go. And there would be three different types of fights. The first type of fight would be where they would, they would box. Now, in the boxing, it wouldn't be like you and I know, where it's just throwing punches with these, you know, gloves that have all these pads on them. No, no, no. They would take a 16-foot piece of leather, and in that leather, they would wrap it around their arms. And when it would get up towards the, the knuckles of their hand, there would actually be little spikes or nails within that leather strap. And when they would go into the fighting ring, they would go in like that, and they would be fighting and wrestling and struggling with their opponent, and it would bring gashes to the one that they were fighting, and it was cruel, and it was barbaric, and it was deadly, but but that's what they would have thought about. That was the first type of fight that would happen in the palestra, the, the, the fighting arena. The second was a little bit more calmer. It would be just wrestling, straight up wrestling, where there was no punches allowed, there was no kicks, you couldn't twist arms or legs or break joints. You would just wrestle trying to pin them much like our wrestling is today. But then there was the worst of the worst. Those that made it through boxing and those that made it through wrestling would go into what's called the pan carton. The pan carton type of fighting is anything goes. In fact, they would fight in the nude, which would make it even worse because all kinds of things would happen. And, and they would fight. They would kick. Anything goes. They could twist arms, break arms. I mean, anything there. And it was a conflict. So when Paul says that we wrestle, that we struggle. What he was saying to his hearers, and it's the same for us today, is this is a real fight. This is a real struggle. This is a real battle. And we're coming against the enemy in face-to-face -face combat. It's up close. It's not just something that we talk about. I mean, I grew up, uh, I grew up knowing that there was a demonic world, knowing the theology of it, but when I really begin to understand how he messes with us and how he hinders us and how he stops us from walking in our authority and walking in the victory that Jesus uh, has given to us, it changed everything in my life. Can I just get an agreement? Because we are in face-to-face -face combat. And therefore, we have to know how to stand against him. 
Because if we don't know how to stand against the enemy, then we will never get to the other side where there's a breakthrough on the other side. And the enemy uses two primary weapons. There's two primary enemies of your breakthrough, and that's what I want to show you. Look with me here in our scripture. Mark chapter 4 is where I'm at. Verse 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Now, why is he going to the other side? And what is the other side? I need you to slip down to chapter 5 for a moment. I know I'm bouncing you, but you're going to follow with me. I want you to understand the context. So go down to chapter 5. We'll go back to chapter 4 in a moment. But why are they going to the other side? Well, they went across the lake. That's the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerishian. Gerishian, I don't know if I'm saying it right. The, I should know, but I don't. Gerishian. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man was living in the tombs. And nobody could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For when they would bind him and they would try to chain him by hands and feet, he would tear the chains apart and he would break the irons on his feet. Now that's demon possession right there. If you've never seen it, I'm telling you, you don't have to be afraid of it, but it is violent. Through our years of ministry, we've watched people be demon-possessed like this. I'm telling you, not to scare you, but to tell you, this is a real fight. It's a warfare that we're in, and the devil is not going to give up easily. Can I just get an agreement? And he would rip it apart, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs. And in the hills, uh, hills, he would cry out, and he would cut himself with stones. Over in Matthew chapter 8, you don't have to turn there, but it's the same story. It actually tells us in Matthew 8, another version, it's not a contradiction, it's just more illumination from Matthew. He says, when he would arrived on the other side in the region of the Gadhesrian, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs. So Matthew says there wasn't just one, there was two that would come from the tombs, and they were so violent that nobody could pass that way. So the context, before we go out, back up to chapter 4, is that there's two demon-possessed men. They're living in the tombs. They're actually like the walking dead, and they would terrorize all of those that would be in that region. If you go with me to Jerusalem and Israel, we're going in a, in a couple years. If you go with us, we will go along this place where Jesus would have encountered these two demonic men. And there was a road that would have went along the, 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 the bank of the Sea of Galilee. The, it's a huge lake. And there was a big cliff that was there. And, and, and there was a road that would go along. And so the only way to take that path to get to where you were going is you would go along this, this only road that was there. But people were so terrorized by these demonic men that they would come out and they would terrorize them and they would attack them. And we already understand that the strength that they had had that whole region afraid. Now remember in Ephesians 6, there's, there's principalities. 
Now, spiritually, I can't go into everything that's positioned CLC for where we're at right now. But what I'm telling you is God has raised us up to attack territory and spiritual influences in territories. And therefore, we've got to strong, uh, we've got to remain stronger than we've ever have because of the attack that the enemy will try to bring against you and us as we're going to the other side. But boy, I'd rather be on the other side where there's freedom and deliverance and healing and restoration and healing and financial breakthrough than to stay terrorized by the evil spirit. So they would terrorize. I mean, they would, they would attack this entire region, these evil spirits. And, the, and that whole region was ceased or, or, or seized with fear. It had a grip on them. Now, if you've been on encounter with us and we have an encounter coming in a few weeks, and I'm telling you, you've got to make that a goal in 2022 if you've not been to encounter. But in a few weeks, we'll have an encounter and we deal with the spirit of fear because fear is a spirit. And it grips you, it paralyzes you, it hinders you, it keeps you from reaching your God potential and your God assignment. And the enemy moves with fear. One of the enemies I'm talking about today is fear. But in Romans chapter 5, in verse 15, it says, For you, believers, child of God, you have not received a spirit that makes you what? A slave again to fear. But you've received the spirit of sonship, and now we can call him Abba, Father. So Paul would tell us in Romans that fear makes us a slave. It puts us in bondage, and we are miserable. We get the picture of these two demonic men. They're terrorizing the region. You can't even walk on that road. He, 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 he shows us, both authors, that, that they would cut themselves, and, and, and they would be so demon-possessed uh, and, 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 and bound by, by the demonic forces of the enemy that, that they, would, they would be able to break anything that would hold them. And yet they were living in the tombs, living a dead man's life. But Jesus came to set the captives free. Can I get an agreement in the house? So back to Mark chapter 4. I hope you're catching my links here because now we're going to stay in Mark 4. We see why Jesus is on his way to the other side. And by the way, the other side for you and I is what we're calling breakthrough. Tonight, you're going to bring cards, your faith goals cards. That is the other side. It's not happened yet, but God's birthed some things in your spirit. And I just have a feeling today, there are some things that God has rooted down that he's going to break in 2022. And I'm believing that as the anointing oil is released and as God touches you tonight, that there is something on the other side. Can I get a shout in the house? So let's pick back up verse 36, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as, as, as he was in the boat. And as they were in the boat, the other boats were following. And all of a sudden, verse 37, a ferocious squall, a squall, I can hardly say it, rose up, a, a storm rose up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, filled with water about the sink. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care 
if we drown? He got up. Look at this. And he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here they are, they're traveling to the other side. The other side we know now is there is deliverance, there is freedom. There's two demonic men that's got an entire region that's paralyzed and terrorized and seized in fear. And Jesus is on his way to the other side to bring freedom to these two men. And on the way, suddenly arose a mighty storm. They're on route to the other side and the storm comes up suddenly. Now, when we go to go to Israel and we get on the Sea of Galilee, they will tell us that often from the mountain where uh, the mountains behind, there's a valley and in another mountain. And sometimes there will be gusts of wind that will come through there. And that's what will cause these these waves and the storms that come on the Sea of Galilee. And because their boats were nothing like our boats of today, it would be easy to be capsized. And the, the depth of the sea is very, very, very deep in the middle. And those storms would often come up. So this is how suddenly it could happen. But I'm here to tell you today that all of a sudden, now these are professional fishermen. They're getting into a boat. This is what they do with their life. This is what they know. They understand what's happening. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a surprise to all of them, all of a sudden a storm begins to blow up on them. I don't know about you, but there's been some suddenly where storms have come to my life before. There's been some times where out of nowhere, something would hit me. Can I just get an agreement of some folks that know what I'm talking about? You're moving along, things are great, life is good, nothing's going wrong, you're celebrating, rejoicing in all that God is doing, and then all of a sudden, a storm comes blowing into your life. Well, I'm telling you, the reason this storm came And what I see in this scripture is that this was a demonic attack against Jesus before he got to the other side. Hear me today. He was on the brink of bringing freedom and deliverance to a region and the enemy knew that if he could stop them that he would continue to keep that region terrorized and in fear. And so before Jesus could get to the other side, he brought a storm into his way. Man, the wind, it was fierce. It was something that caused the waves to pound and pound and pound. They couldn't see the wind, but that wind was pounding and pounding and pounding, onslaught after onslaught. And there's some of you that over this last season, that's what's been happening, is that there's been wave after wave after wave that's pounded you and pounded. Can I get an agreement in the house today? And I'm here to tell you that the enemy of your soul sends the he is the wind that sends that wave and that attack is coming at you why is because there is breakthrough on the other side and it wave after wave pounding and pounding these were fishermen they should have known what to do but they're frantic and the first lesson i want you just to take away and it leads me to that first enemy is that spiritual attacks often happen 
just before major breakthroughs. So you may be going through the storm right now. You may be facing wave after wave. You might be on the brink of your breakthrough and there is going to be an attack of the enemy and it's going to hit you wave after wave after wave. But I want you to hold in your spirit. In a few moments, we're gonna open these altars and I want you to get into your spirit today that Jesus was on his way to the other side to bring breakthrough. And as they called on Jesus, he was there to help them. Can I get an agreement? There was going to be deliverance, and that deliverance was going to set that region free of fear, and that spirit of fear will terrorize. That spirit of fear will will lead you to a place where you feel uh, rejected, and, and, and that spirit of fear will have you fearing the future, fearing your health, fearing the death of a loved one, fearing what's going to happen financially or in your job, a fear of losing your job, a fear of suffering, a fear that rises up that begins to make you doubt what God has said and fear then begins to paralyze you like it did those two men in the tombs and it keeps us in a place we're walking as dead men and we've not allowed God to touch us with life in a recent survey it said 45% of the fears that people have are about the future and usually they're things that never happen 30% are about the past that they can't change. 12% are needless fears about health. 10% are petty fears that are not really worth the time. And only 8% of our fears are legitimate. So if you're taking notes today, the first enemy of your breakthrough is what? Fear. And we've got to attack fear. What I know is there's some of you here today, if you're honest, you've been terrorized by fear. Fear has been gripping you and paralyzing you. It might be, like I said, a loss of a job, your health, your your family, the loss of a loved one. It might be uh, 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 with the pandemic and, and, and things that have come out of that. Whatever it is, I know in my spirit today that there are some that have been terrorized by fear, but God wants to set you free today. Can I get an agreement? If you're under a spiritual attack, if spiritual winds have begun to blow in your life and wave after wave is crushing you, all I can tell you today prophetically is that you're on the break of a breakthrough. Say, I'm on the brink of a breakthrough. When you begin to look at your life, many of us can look and we can see that major breakthroughs came after a spiritual attack and maybe we didn't link it together then, but I'm here to tell you today, as you persevere through it, as you attack fear, as you come against that which is paralyzing your faith and you let faith begin to rise up and touch him, it will move you into the breakthrough that's on the other side. How do I know is because in Colossians chapter two and verse 13, Paul says we were once dead in our sins and our sinful desires were not cut away. But then someone shared the very life of Christ with us and we became understanding that he forgives all of our sins and he blots out all of the charges that are proved against us. And the list of all that we have done, the commandments that we have broken, that which we have not obeyed, he took that list of our sins and he destroyed it by doing what? Nailing it to the cross. And in this way, God took away Satan's power. 
God took away Satan's power. See, the enemy is fear. And Satan's the one that's coming against you in fear. But I'm here to tell you today what Paul says in Colossians, that Jesus Christ took away the enemy's power. Satan's power has been diffused. Don't let him intimidate you anymore. There's a breakthrough on the other side. Say it with me. There's a breakthrough on the other side. Man, he took away Satan's power to accuse you. But God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were taken away. There's just something in my heart that says tonight the breakthrough's coming. That tonight God's calling you to the other side. And on the other side is the breakthrough. On the other side are those faith goals of what you're believing for in your family or your career or your finances, in your ministry, in your anointing. There's something on the other side. But the wind, the enemy is the wind in the story is going to begin to blow and try to discourage you because he knows that you're on the brink of breakthrough and that breakthrough is your destiny and you've got to get to the other side. Some of you got that. To get to the other side leads us to the second enemy of our breakthrough. And that is to get to the other side, we have to deal with the faithless thoughts, the doubts when we're under attack. The second enemy is doubt. The first is fear. In our story, we see that this this storm suddenly rises up. It was a ferocious storm, and the waves are breaking over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, which means it almost sank. But Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus, again, is on his other way, on, on, on the way to the other side to bring deliverance to this region and to set them free, but As he's on the way, the enemy brings the wind and and the wind begins to have these waves crashing against it. And in that moment, now the disciples are getting worried. You can see them. They're trying to bail the water out. They're trying to do everything they can to save the, the, the ship, the boat from sinking. And Jesus was there sleeping peacefully as they were frantic and trying to solve the problem. Well, man, I looked at that story and I thought, man, so many times that's me. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to get the water out. I'm trying to logically figure out what to do. I'm doing all that I can do. And all of a sudden I realize Jesus is sleeping. Now at first sight for me, it's like, Jesus, you're sleeping. I mean, the disciples said what you and I think. Do you not care? You're sleeping in the boat. Do you not care what's happening in my life? I'm about to drown. Do you not care? And all of a sudden, doubts begin to come. The disciples wake him up and they say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Have you ever felt that way? Be honest, have you ever felt that way? Jesus, come on, don't just be theological. Jesus, do you care? 
Can't tell you how many times I've walked this, this room praying through these pulpit, these, these pews and around the pulpit in the altar saying, Jesus, do you not care that this region is dying? Do you not care that there are so many that need to come in and touch you? Do you not care? And yet I'm not questioning his authority. I know he's got the power. I know he loves us. And I know his love is unfailing, but there's times like the disciples that doubt begins to bombard our minds. And it's the second enemy of your breakthrough. The first is what? Fear, but the second is doubt. Oh yeah, I've made the declarations. I've fasted, I've prayed. Some of you have even said, Pastor, I tithe. I'm a kingdom builder. But the breakthrough's not coming. And often it's said with this, I'm going to give up. You see, what I know is that nothing will separate me from the love of God. And for me, it's not the theological understanding that God loves me. I think that statement is a statement that says nothing's going to separate me from his love, which means I'm not going to walk away from the love of God because I know who he is. I understand his ways. I know what he's done before, and I know he can do it again, and I'm believing he will, but I'm sitting in those moments, and the enemy, the wind, begins to bring the waves, and those waves are doubt, and it's crashing and crashing and crashing. And I find my moments where I say, God, do you not care? Do I get a witness in the house? Do you not care what's happening? Remember, they were fighting these these waves. Now, the problem really is that they were fighting the wrong thing. You see, it was the wind that caused the waves. And they were trying to fix the problem with the waves. And boy, if we do the same, we try to fix our finances, our job, our family, our, our marriage, and this and that. And, we, and, we, and, 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 and yes, there's an action that we take, but many times we don't start where we should start, and that is to recognize where the spiritual attack is and why the spiritual attack, and it's coming against you because of the breakthrough that's on the other side and what God wants to do, but the enemy sends a storm. It's the wind. And the wind begins to blow, and Jesus is awakened. Now, literally, it's not like the disciples just went over and, 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 and I don't know if I can come down. Uh, I don't, nobody's here to tell me no, so I'm going to come down. So I know I'm out of the lights. They're going to tell me later, don't do that in second service. It's not like the disciples came and said, Jesus, Jesus. No, 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 no. You get the picture. It's like, Jesus, Jesus. Why? There was a desperation that was taking place in that moment. And I'm telling you, there's got to be a desperation that rises up in you and I as disciples. A desperation that cries out and understands that, yes, God, you can. And though the doubts are coming at that moment, they acted on their faith. And that moment of acting in their faith was standing against what the enemy was trying to do and calling the one that could speak to the wind and calm the waves. And it's going to bring us to our third thought here in a moment, but it's just understanding that when doubt comes, we got to say, Jesus, 
You are the answer. I'm not going to let doubt rob me of my joy. I'm not going to let it destroy my confidence. I'm not going to let it bring uh, uh, critics into my life that get me off of my destiny to get to the other side. No, no, no. There's a breakthrough that's coming, and I'm not going to let anybody stop me, not the enemy and not anybody else. Why? There's destiny. There's an assignment on the other side. The enemy will send critics. They'll come into your life. They'll challenge you, ridicule you, discourage you. They're dream killers. Don't raise your hand. But how many have faced some dream killers in your life before? There's dreams and there's visions. There's breakthrough on the other side. And sure enough, there's somebody that brings in all they can do. They're waves and they're throwing water over on your dream, on the, on the path to the other side. And you've got to stand there and you've got to speak to the wind and you've got to determine that enemy, you're not going to stop me. There's a dream that you've laid in my heart and I'm moving to the other side. I sensed in my spirit last night as I reviewed this message that some of you will let your dreams die. They're God dreams. There's dreams that God has put into your heart and there has been something that has squashed your dream and has caught doubt to, to come into your life and fear maybe to even hold you back and you've given up on the dream to the point you didn't even do your faith goal card this year. You didn't even do it. I'm here to tell you it's a wave. Many times circumstances hit us and when they hit us, the waves hit us, we begin to ask and we begin to doubt and we begin to say, God, why? Why, God, have you not answered our prayers? Why are you delaying? God, why have you allowed this to happen? Why has tragedy hit this way? Do you not care? Aren't you a loving God? Why do you allow sin to come? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there injustices like we're seeing? Why is there racial prejudice like we're seeing? Why is there wickedness around the world? Why is there roars and rumors of wars? Why is this happening, God? Where are you? I thought you were all powerful. And doubts begin to hit us. All I'm telling you is the scriptures remind us, Paul would tell us that we've got to be We've got to be steadfast and not let Satan outwit us. That we are not to be unaware of his schemes. Outwit us means don't let him trick you. Don't let there be trickery. Don't let him scheme his way into your life where you begin to doubt and question what God is doing. When the enemy's attacking you, I want you to be reminded that you're on the way to the other side and the wind and the waves are coming because on the other side is your assignment and your assignment is the enemy's greatest fear. Your assignment. It's your anointing. It's your destiny. And he sends the enemy of your soul, the wind, to discourage you. There's deliverance on the other side for your family. But he's going to continue maybe to raise some havoc and, and send some wind and waves against you because there's a breakthrough for your children on the other side. Mama, don't quit praying. Don't quit believing. Don't quit speaking that word into them. There's a breakthrough in your workplace. There's a breakthrough in your business. There's a breakthrough over the region. And it's on the other side. And we've got to persevere through it. 
What was the enemy doing as he's getting the disciples' attention off of and their focus off of what was the main problem and issue? And that's what he does for you and I as he tries to get our focus on the wrong things. The waves could be my job, finances, family, circumstance, health. But on the other side, there's breakthrough. So our first enemy is fear. Our second enemy is doubt. And it brings me to the conclusion. Is that the way we overcome and we get to the other side, we see the breakthrough, we come against the enemies of our breakthrough, is to recognize the God-given authority that you and I have in Jesus Christ. In verse 39, Jesus said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and was completely calm. It's like Jesus woke up. He was awakened by the disciples and he got up and it was like he said, shh. Shh. Do it with me. Shh. Be quiet. Some of you just got to get up and say, shh, be quiet enemy. Enough is enough, is enough, is enough. Shh, be calm, be quiet, and you speak to the wind. There's authority through Jesus Christ. He said, peace, and there was a silence. The wind ceased. The enemy's been messing with you in the areas of temptation. He's got you in bondage, in an addiction. You're struggling with areas of sin that you know is not pleasing to the Lord. James tells us you've got to stand up and you've got to say, shh, enough is enough. I'm not giving in anymore. You flee from it and you stand against it and the enemy will flee from you. You stand in your authority. And the wind calmed down. The wind died down. And it was completely calm. The imagery in the original text is, was like the wind grew weary of the battle. And when you stand in your authority, the enemy grows weary of the battle. He cannot intimidate you anymore. He cannot hold on anymore. And you're standing there and you're, shh. I know it's not real theological. Pastor Stephen will find a Greek word for me somewhere. But it's, shh. I hope you get it in your spirit. Be quiet. Calm down. No more. Now, with a good proper theology, we understand that we're walking through this world and there will be trials that we will face. But I'm telling you in this story, I believe it was the enemy attacking and stopping Jesus from getting to the other side. And I've come to learn in some of our lives that your breakthrough hasn't come because the enemy is stopping you before you can get to the other side. So week after week, we're leading you through how to fight the enemies, how to stand against this, and how to walk in victory, because I believe God wants to break something over your life. Can I get an agreement? Come on, stand with me across this auditorium. 
For those of you that are online, don't go away. We're about to go into a time of prayer and I want you to be a part of it. Don't click away right now. You're going to click away at the most important time if you do, but there is something that's going to help you to overcome today. Say overcome. 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 If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.